0: I think it's all about impact, I think it's all about purpose, and I think what I'm put on this earth here to do is to be of service to the people in my life, and to create the best possible life that I can for them, and to also make this world a better place by injecting that little extra bit of positivity in my own unique way.
1: How is it going, ladies and gentlemen? This is Sean Barnes. I want to welcome you back to The Way of the Wolf. Our guest today is a gentleman named Jonathan Cohen. He is an attorney. He is the host of Inside the Inspired podcast that focuses on mindset, discipline, and personal growth. He's into philanthropy and also does a few speaking engagements. So, Jonathan, welcome
0: to The Way of the Wolf thank you sean it's a pleasure to be here man and honestly i'm so glad that we were able to connect you're a legend yourself and i appreciate that introduction
1: oh man you're giving me a little bit too much credit i i have to say how much i appreciate the content that you put out with your podcast and on social media just everything that you're doing whenever i came across your profile a couple of months ago i said okay i gotta get this guy on the show because there's just so much alignment with with what we're doing i couldn't more the, the the one thing that I will add is looking forward to getting into this conversation. Normally, I'll have a pre-call with guests. Is the really the first time for you and I to chat. Um, I'm hoping that maybe you can change my perspective on lawyers. Haven't had any, a whole <laughs> lot of great experiences. Some, but not many. So we'll get into this, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how, how you approach law, and then we're obviously gonna dive into a bunch of other stuff. So tell me a little bit about you. Who Who is Jonathan Cohen?
0: It's a humbling question. I think over the course of my life, I've been trying to figure that out, and it's through life experience I've been able to come to a form of a conclusion. Jonathan Cohen, myself, I'm someone who struggled with learning disabilities growing up, and that kind of caused some identity issues as I slowly went through my life. At 18 years old, I enlisted in the Israeli military, where I served for two years in infantry combat. And when I came back, I worked for a a professional sports team, I got my pilot's license, and then I went to college, law school, business school, and then the DA's office. And through those experiences, you're meeting quite a lot of interesting people that play a role in helping you become who you're aspiring to be. And so through time and through experience, I have become someone that always wants to lend a helping hand. Public service, philanthropy, giving back to community, family. These are all priorities. And obviously, serving myself before I serve everyone else have become someone who recognizes the value in creating opportunity for themselves. And like I said, struggling with those learning disabilities growing up, I've come to learn has become a blessing because that allows me to help share those experiences so people can learn from those mistakes. And I become an individual who just simply wants to help and give back.
1: Man, I got to say how much I appreciate that. And. and... It's interesting how the adversity that we face in our lives is what forges us into something great and, and creates those opportunities for us to continue to ascend, whether it's career, life, family, whatever those goals are that you're trying to reach. And I always admire somebody who has been through adversity and then they have the guts to step up and share that with the world and share their lessons because inevitably there's going to be people that listen to you or watch your content that that resonates with and so whenever they can say oh wow jonathan was able to do it i can too this is the child that had learning disabilities and he was able to work through that maybe i can do it too let me listen to more of his stuff and the fact that you're going out there and and spreading the word and trying to help people out that's just absolutely incredible so my question to you is what drives you? What
0: inspires you to do that? I literally got the chills as you asked the question. I think what inspires me to do it is you know someone needs to help. And it's almost like what qualifies me? Well, there's a sentiment that really resonates with me. Stacking proof. And through stacking proof, you establish credibility with yourself that allows you to offer value to other people. And so for a lot of my career I looked for ways that I could be valuable because as someone who had these identity issues because of labels that were imbued upon me whether you know I played a role in that or not, I found ways to create value and create opportunity. And what drives me is that I know there's people that still struggle with certain things that happened to them when they were younger and let that kind of dictate the type of person they become. And instead of letting that, instead of it being a backstop, you can use it as leverage to propel you into the next step. And so it really is important to me to help people, you know, in a form of almost paying it forward because there were angels in my life that believed in me. And I want to provide the same forms of insights through lessons and experiences that, you know, people tell themselves certain stories that they don't need to, and it holds them back. And it's unproductive and unnecessary. And part of what I want to do is share stories like like you on my podcast where I ask people questions about things that have happened to them and how they've overcome those obstacles so people out there can see, hey, I can... I can change my beliefs, I can change my life, and I can operate at a higher level than I've been operating at. And it's going to take a lot of work. But when you see enough evidence over the course of enough time, you can start to step into who you are. So that really is what drives me.
1: Man, I I have a deep appreciation for that. I don't know if you've had a chance to catch my last podcast with a guy named Pete Vanderveen. He's been on the show a few times, and we've danced around topics of what happens to us as men in our childhood and how it can sh- uh, shape us in much later in life and the impacts that it can have and we kind of dove into the topics of fathers abandoning us or, or, you know, abusive relationships, things like that. And it's just wild to think about how those things that happen to us in our formative years have such a profound effect on us for the rest of our life until we do the hard work, which you were just talking about. Not everybody's Comfortable doing that. Most people aren't comfortable doing the hard work, and sometimes it takes people to get into the 30s, 40s, 50s, or 60s before they're willing to check their ego and do that. And the how how old are you, Jonathan? 33. Okay, man, dude, you are getting (laughs) such an early start on this. I commend (laughs) you. That is absolutely incredible. Thank you. Okay, so I do want to get back to this, and I want to get back to the podcast, but talk to me a little bit about your
0: journey as an attorney. Sure. So. It's funny because I had a very difficult time getting into college itself and then law school. So my journey starts with establishing good habits, but mainly what happened was I'm in the airport after having visited my brother with my family in Israel while he was serving and my mom got a call From a family member saying that one of my Cousins wasn't going back to law school And Just very lightly I was like hey maybe I'll go to Law school and for someone Who didn't Love to read who Avoided responsibilities Even post military There was still this Intimidation that Books and School had for me even though I Had gotten into college and You know, I was in my second year. In becoming an attorney, my mom looked at me in that moment and was just, she had the most angelic eyes that it was like, oh, wow, I guess I got to do this thing. So I get on the plane and I'm scrolling through channels thinking about this crazy decision on this, like, over 10-hour flight home. And I stumble across a show where this guy's got his head in his hand, there's, like, alcohol and drugs on the table, and he's like, I got to get my life together. And I was like, what show is this? And then you find out a few scenes later that it was Suits and that the lead characters are attorneys. And I was like, okay, this shallow notion is going to make me want to go be an attorney. And the next day, I started signing up for the LSAT, and the LSAC website, and it was the most humbling and frustrating experience because every single time I went to the books, I couldn't really pass a certain threshold or score. And when you're hearing from other people that are also applying to law school, how well they're doing, it also kind of gets in your head. So I just knew that all I needed was an opportunity. That was it. And I was gonna bet on myself. So I didn't care what law school was going to take me. I knew that once I got into the real world, I would create an opportunity for myself because that's what I was going to have to do. So at the final hour, my sister recommended that I apply to a particular law school, Turo Law. And I ended up getting in. And I attended there for three years and I actually enrolled in their JD MBA program because for me to distinguish myself, I thought it had to be a bit different. So what happened was as I went through my law school experience, I had different responsibilities like trying out for the trial team. I ended up becoming the president of the trial team at the end of my career there. And through competitions, obviously I'm learning a lot about getting on stage, public speaking, You know, you you have to get over certain fears. You know, one day you do well, one day you do poorly. And it kind of dictates some of the feelings that you had because you don't have as much foresight for how you could perform 10 years from now. You're really only thinking about like, oh, wow, I did really badly yesterday. And it slowly gets in your head. But the more reps you do, the more comfortable you get. And through law school, it became a platform because it was a small school for me to take on a bigger stage. And through that experience, I had this proclivity towards criminal law, but I was studying for my master's in business. So they kind of went hand in hand, but also kind of conflict where it's like most attorneys kind of go down that path of criminal law and they stay there for maybe 20, 30 years. And that may have been an opportunity for me, but I wasn't sure because it was like I had this infatuation with criminal law, but I'm studying for my master's as well at the same time as going to law school. So what I did was I ended up finishing law school, graduating, and then going for my fourth year for my MBA. And while I'm in business school, I end up applying to attorney's offices. And I had an opportunity to interview at the Bronx District Attorney's Office, and I accepted a position there as a full-time prosecutor. So while in business school, I was interviewing for DA's jobs, and then I got the job, and then while working full-time and going to school at night in my final year, I was prepping and priming myself for the opportunity. And then in September of 21, I started as a special victims prosecutor at the Bronx District Attorney's Office, where I served. Three years, and now I work as an associate general counsel for a private uh, corporation that specializes in the manufacturing and distribution of computer electronics. And the general counsel that I support is also a former prosecutor, so there's a lot of alignment there. But it's been a very wild journey. Um, I tried to, you know, put it into as few words as I possibly could. There's a few speed bumps along the way. I'm happy to get into, but that's pretty much what happened
1: that is an incredible journey and one of the things that stuck with me as you were talking through all of that is the fact that you went on to get your MBA as well and maybe it's the attorneys lawyers that I've been exposed to or have as part of my network it, it appears that most of the people that are operating in that realm that legal realm They don't really have a whole lot of business acumen. They know the law inside and out, but they don't really have a lot of business acumen. I have another friend of mine that I train with, and he's been on the show before. His name is Dustin Sanchez, and his entire business is built around helping attorneys build their practice and build their business. So in your experience in getting your MBA, do you run across a lot of uh, attorneys that actually understand a whole lot about business? It just seems that I don't really come across many with an MBA.
0: So I appreciate that. And that was part of it, right? Being able to distinguish myself. I felt that if, because law school teaches you to think differently, how to weigh two sides of an argument, how to do research, how to articulate a point, how to identify an issue, and then figure out the rule that's applicable to the potential problem, and then conclude with what you think could be the solution after a thorough analysis. And so in answering that question, I think it's also important to address that there's this sentiment out there. You know, I I think at one point, Costco wasn't giving any credibility to people that had their MBA or you hear people like Mark Cuban coming out and saying like, you know, an MBA is a dumb degree, or whatever it is. And some of those um, themes were kind of dictating my perspectives around what I was doing, because it's like, well, when I first set out to do this, what the motivation was, is that I saw a lot of agents actually had their JD MBA, but they weren't practicing as attorneys. So this goal that I had was effectively to become some form of, I want to say this as humbling as possible, but I'm still aiming towards it, a business executive. And so in that career trajectory, I felt that having that dual degree would give me a competitive advantage in achieving that goal I'm still aiming towards. And so I find that, When I come across colleagues that have business experience or, you know, are in the legal realm, big law or meaning like corporate law, they tend to know their stuff. But at the same time, there's this constant tone of, you know, the business has to focus on the business and let the lawyers do what the lawyers do. So, you know, compartmentalizing, segmenting and just letting people focus on what they're good at. But I think when it comes to this question, what I really wanna drive home is that for someone like me and I have an undergraduate in business, it's that my legal lens, if you will, gives me a different perspective in how I approach situations because in the world that I serve now, I can communicate the gaps between what the business has to offer and what the legal department has to offer and bridge that gap and i aim to do that every single day so having this degree having this exposure this experience it allows me to solve problems in a different way because i can bridge that communication gap and so words are very very important and so i think that the words that i focus on are You know, reading books on business or listening to podcasts or consuming content that can help me and obviously experientially getting into the field where I manage certain accounts that allow me to develop that business acumen. And so every day is a journey because I'm constantly learning, um, but effectively, like it's never over.
1: Yeah. And as you were talking through that, I was uh, immediately thinking through what you discussed just now as far as the we'll say silos that exist you have operations of a business you have legal you have hr you have it you have all these functional domains that exist within an organization those functional domains being somewhat siloed is crucial to allow an organization to scale because you need that high level of expertise in each of those pillars where I see businesses struggle is finding that delicate balance of saying, hey, we've got our general counsel here and our VP of HR and a VP of operations for this business unit. They're not communicating. They're operating in their own little silos. And part of that lack of communication is maybe relationships, trust, time, experience, exposure. There's a lot of contributing factors to it. But The magic is whenever those people start to communicate and they all start to better understand what each of the silos are doing so that they can then come in and add value and create a stronger relationship and partnership. And so I think your head is absolutely in the right place as far as you have this legal background, you have a a business background and the degrees to support it and back it up. You have the right mindset around consuming content, whether it's podcasts or videos or books or consuming all of that content. And then that last piece is application of that knowledge that you've learned. And the more effectively you can do that, the more effectively you can partner with operations and not be the lawyer that's coming in and just saying no to something that's going on with with the business the better off you are going to be. And I had the opportunity to start leading human resources on top of IT, which is what the majority of my career has been in, about six years ago. And one of the things that I very quickly learned is, yes, there's a lot of regulatory compliance that comes with employment law, and the Department of Labor is no joke, but you have to be able to approach your partners in operations and say, hey, Here's the law, here's what we need to focus on. Here are our options. This option presents a little bit more risk, and here's what we're gonna do to mitigate that risk. This option over here, there's really no risk. We do this, this, and this, and and we're covered. And we let operations make that decision, which route do they want to go? How risk averse are they? Is there some sort of financial benefit to taking on a little bit more risk while still operating within the confines of the law? And so finding that balance is absolutely crucial. And a lot of times executives on both sides maybe their egos don't let them do it but there there's challenges but if you can break down those walls and build that trust man that's that
0: is the way to go very well articulated you you drove that home it's having that specialty is going to allow everyone to focus on what works there is that concept of you know inch thick mile wide ultimately if you're trying to be everything to everyone you're nothing to no one so Having the areas that you could focus on definitely allows the business to thrive.
1: Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's go into the podcast, Inside the Inspired. Tell us a little bit about it. Wow.
0: One of my favorite topics. (laughs) Inside the Inspired started out as a passion project and evolved into my body of work, where I have this immense network of people and people that I continue to meet that as i was saying earlier i can bring on ask them questions about their journeys and the guests range from oh, multi-millionaire entrepreneurs authors experts athletes medical professionals and i'm so humbled to have conversations with people that have great followings and are also aspiring to just add value to society and make an impact on the people that they surround themselves with have a positive message to share. I interview mindset coaches. I interview success coaches. I got the chance to interview all these different individuals that whether it comes to your heart set, your heart set or your or your mindset, there's always something to learn. And each conversation creates this blueprint for someone to realize like, hey, no journey is the same. And that's actually kind of the point that All of the guests that come on the show have created opportunity for themselves in one way or another, and they leverage that opportunity through their experience to make an impact and be of value. And so the platform really is so special to me because it's always about service and service through purpose and establishing purpose through service. And so that is really the key driver in what the podcast has become about, and so surrounding myself with high-level individuals I'll call them that have yet to come on the show and have already debuted on the show it's really like sometimes the guests that I bring on they haven't done a podcast before in fact it's the only podcast they've ever done and for me it's a real honor because it takes a relationship and You don't want to waste their time. You're putting them on a platform on blast, if you will, where, you know, thousands of people are going to listen to them and, you know, something may resonate, something maybe doesn't resonate. And just having the opportunity to hold the audience's attention and also to get the opportunity to speak and have a conversation that I'd be having anyway is and learn those lessons. I'm grateful that I could share and scale those lessons so this way someone out there and I get the messages I get the feedback where people really are impacted and appreciate what not it's not so much what I'm doing but the way people have overcome the obstacles in their life the questions that I ask really are top of mind in the sense that's like where was your head at when you you were going through that particular struggle or how did you overcome this obstacle? What do you have in terms of advice for people that are aspiring to achieve? That really is the focus because these obstacles get really dense and difficult. And so the more feedback we give one another, the more communication we have, the easier it may be. I'm the oldest of four. So my siblings are always learning from my mistakes. And that's kind of the point, right? So this way people don't have to repeat them. You can David Meltzer, I had him on the show. He calls it the dummy tax. And it's something that I think I I even notice in conversations that I'll have like this or in my day in my day-to-day, I will weave in the lessons that I've learned from the guests that have come on the show subconsciously. I had the opportunity to interview a judge who talked about being right right after 911 he became the lead counsel for New York State Homeland Security and that's intense because you have someone who he called effectively establishing all the legislation and everything around what was going on in the climate at the time navigating that situation he equated it to building flying the plane and building it in the air at the same time And I think about situations where people are building businesses or, you know, helping others where they do that on a daily basis. So the podcast really is a platform to scale the lessons that people have learned to 50 years of experience or less, whatever it is, it really is all about making an impact. So
1: I can definitely relate to that. It's kind <laughs> of the, uh, an underlying theme of, of my show. My show also started out as a passion project. So I want to go back to that. With your starting out as a, po- as a passion project, two questions. How long ago did you start the show? And what was the first reason that made you decide, hey, this is what
0: I'm going to do? Well, at the time, I... Well, I'll back up a bit. I remember when I first discovered what podcasts were. It became this new platform for me to just synthesize information, acquire new information, distill it, and then somehow new words were coming out of me, New, new, a new lens, a new perspective. And I just started to see the world differently, and I had access to these people across the realm, whether it was... Scooter Braun or Tony Robbins or Elon Musk or whoever it was, it started there. And then obviously, you know, you niche down, you start to find things you really like to talk about. And it really helped guide a lot of my fitness journey and my mindset journey, and it complemented my life experience. So the first time I had ever heard a podcast, I had almost kind of, you know, I'll also humbly say this, pictured my own voice in my own ear or in someone else's being like, hey, I want to do this for someone else like someone's doing it for me right now. And so the passion project really started out of a responsibility that I felt to offer my experience and my perspective in a way that I felt would be productive for someone because I remember how insecure I would be about the things in my life. And I didn't want people to feel that for themselves. I wanted to create something that could instill confidence and provide a platform for people that I thought were incredible. And so it evolved through, you know, now it's slowly becoming a business where, and and in an unconventional way, and we could talk about that at some point. But effectively, I made a list of people that I thought were very interesting And I started reaching out. And then that was a whole experience in and of itself. Some people say yes, of course. Some people don't respond. And then some people say no. And so you have to kind of manage your ego with that too. But then at the same time all this was going on, where I first had discovered podcasts, where I was working full time and going to school at night, I... And applying to DA's offices. And finally, after I get the job, I'm like, all right, I could focus in on it's like YouTube, but for your ears, right? So I could focus in on particular topics that I was really fascinated by and experts in those particular fields and still be able to do the job that I had to do, which didn't really require much mind space. It was document review. So you're just going through documents and it's not really, you know, the most arduous task in the entire world. But it's still paying the bills while I'm in school, and then going to school at night, right? So then, finally, once I get to the DA's office, um, you know, you're standing in court. You're you're in a different league where the things that matter, people are facing years of their life in prison. People are victimized and, and special victims, and just that, that's a whole other realm of of life that I feel really shaped my perspective in in so many different ways. But largely in COVID, I'd started the show as an Instagram live show and through that experience I was effectively preparing direct examinations of witnesses. And so I'm cultivating my craft as a professional, as an attorney, through the podcast where by the time I had launched the show And I had recorded the 1720 episodes that I had done through the Instagram live show. I eventually evolved it into a podcast. But what was interesting is that some of my colleagues were leaving the DA's office because they had fulfilled their commitment. And so that left an opportunity for the upcoming class that I was in to start presenting to the grand jury. So with respect to the rest of the colleagues in my class, for better or worse, no one else was doing an Instagram live podcast where in the middle of COVID when they weren't working. So I had leveraged that opportunity to prepare. And so when I got up and was called up by my chief to come in and help her present very intense cases that probably aren't appropriate for a podcast for me to mention right now, but some very aggressive things that were happening, I was ready. I was ready because I'd been priming for, for weeks and months having interviewed tens and tens of people and I had kept the sword and the iron sharp so the podcast has been a platform for me to learn in more than one way in terms of presentation in terms of you know curating a guest list in terms of thematically you know putting questions together and entertaining the audience i mean what you have to do on the other side of the mic right now isn't easy, I know, because I usually do <laughs> it all the time. And having interviewed witnesses in the forms of cops or victims or judges or, you know, going up against adversaries and then having this passion project, as we called it, to interview very high achieving, top performing people, it's, it's really immense. Okay.
1: I have to ask with all of the intense heavy and probably sometimes dark work that you do how do you maintain a positive mindset and create the show and
0: everything else that you do you know man that is a question that dictates the entire essence of the show i found that one of the most important and it's questions that i've posed to other guests that have been on the show for example i had my chief of the Domestic Violence Division at the Bronx DA's office on my show. I've had a Supreme Court judge, who is the lead judge of the criminal court out in Suffolk County, just presiding over these cases where people are facing decades of their life in prison. And I pose this question to them. Compartmentalization is usually the answer. And then I dive a a bit deeper and I ask, how? And the judge will say, you can go check out the episode with Judge Mark Cohen, he'll say, when I go to work, I go to work. When I go home, I go home. If I have to go back, I go back. It's that simple. Some people can compartmentalize that simply for me, I actually discovered stoicism and philosophy in COVID as well. And at the same time, I had also hurt my back and I discovered the power of breath work to heal it methodically, orienting my pelvis. It's called postural restoration. And um, all of these different layers in terms of tracking, I was, I also had a whoop at the time and I I had done a lot of self-discovery. So while I had this platform in the form of the DA's office to make an impact on society in one way, there's also this element of my practice where I'm very focused on personal development and in turn that creates professional development where the mindset becomes how, how can I serve, right? But at the same time you have to serve yourself before you could serve everyone else so my mindset was really about how can i keep my head in a place where i can be effective in what i do because certain conversations certain interactions certain experiences can put me in a very dark place because it was hey what if the quote right thing doesn't happen in this case how can i navigate that situation and just because I didn't ask for something, it doesn't matter. I took on this job, so if I didn't ask for a particular case, if it comes on my desk, it becomes my responsibility. And so I have to take that responsibility and treat it with grace. And I learned through you know, reading and through practice that Physiologically, with breathwork, we can lower our heart rate and start to get super present. And then through stoicism, I learned the value of presence. And I continued to take those two experiences where on one side, I'm learning the physiological component. And then on the other side, I'm learning the mindset mental component that I'm also using on a platform in standing up, presenting to a grand jury or standing in court and you know representing the people of Bronx County at the time. And having to do that with... Confidence, so the mindset really becomes it's not about me, it's about the people in Bronx County or the victim or or the case itself, and doing what I believe to be the right thing, and the right thing comes in all short all sorts of shapes and sizes, and it really is one of the craziest things because you have to show up for the people in your life in order to in order to make that impact you. That I keep talking about. And I can't do that if my mindset's not on point. And so, meditation isn't something that's really worked for me, but understanding the value of presence has been because I alluded to learning disabilities earlier in this. There's a, a big lack of presence in that. And so, I found that the more I could get present, breath work really helped with that, nasal breathing in particular hard physical activity really helped with that because it forces presence because you can't really be distracted when you got hundreds of pounds in each hand. I mean, you know, you're you're jacked as they come. So like, it's, it's really a matter of understanding that I can't serve the people around me if I'm not present. And if I take things personally, I'll be ineffective. So getting the mindset to a place where it could be impactful, meaningful, present and effective. I've used those words over and over again deliberately because for me that is where the magic happens. It's stress will be there regardless. It's how we tolerate the stress is where the magic is. And so when we tolerate stress effectively, we can make the impact that at least I'm hoping to make.
1: You said something a moment ago of it's not about me. And I think that's a a great way for us to transition into your online course that you're going to be releasing. And we're going to schedule this episode so it drops the same day as your co- your course try to get as much visibility out there as possible, but whenever I think about that comment, it's not about me. The amount of time and energy and effort that goes into creating content to help others is wild. It is absolutely wild you are not doing that for you you're doing that for everybody else putting it out there it may or may not get millions of views or thousands of views but that doesn't matter based on everything that you and i have talked about you're not doing it for you you're not doing it for the attention you're doing it because you genuinely want
0: to help so let's talk a little bit about this course that you're going to be releasing so it's called the, I'll be releasing a few courses, but the first course in the Inspired Course Collection is called the Inspired Speaker Formula. It's a compilation of the lessons and experiences that I've acquired and strategies where I had suffered and experienced stage fright despite having performed on stage when I was younger in piano recitals and had this immense desire to want to be on stage to entertain You know, the courtroom kind of gave me a platform for that. But certain experiences that didn't go so smoothly left me kind of traumatized. And I didn't really want to repeat those mistakes. So I spent a lot of time put and going to the DA's office was a big part of that, where I could just get in front. And in the course, I call it exposure therapy, where it's effectively you're getting up into a position where you can just, the reps remove the doubt. You're getting in front of friends or family or on stage where you can get comfortable to a point where at some point the feeling just has to go away, you know? So that's one element of it. But effectively, the course is designed with a compilation of strategies and frameworks that have helped me overcome my fear of public speaking and helps the speaker curate their theme, theory, and thesis and puts them in a position to deliver and do it in an impactful and captivating way. And so public speaking is something that I've always loved to do in the sense that I understand that it's about the audience. It's about giving them something that they can take away that's meaningful and then implement into their own life and then share it with somebody so it grows. And then that person's life gets better and then you just continue to pay it Forward and I think going back to something that you were saying earlier when you talked about the question that it's not about me. I Think that when you're building in public and you're learning how to do it There's a learning curve So some of the content as you're learning to do it makes it seem, especially, you know, if people knew you growing up and you know you're trying to help others that there's a misconception that it is about you But I think through time and learning how to build and deliver and share the message accurately, which over time I've gotten a lot better at understanding the audience, understanding who needs to hear the message, how to instill it in them. So like I said, they can take it and then give it to someone else and then pay it forward. Whether they come back to the course or not, it really is a matter of, hey, someone else will be able to share these sentiments and it'll grow. And as a result, someone's life is going to get better. And there's multiple testimonials and cases to that effect that I'm excited to share. And this course is going to be the first of many courses that I'm excited to release about developing confidence, establishing mindset, and discipline, something you and I uh, love to talk about. Um, so I'm very really excited about it. It's, it's scary. I got the first draft of it yesterday. And you know, here we go. It'll be about an hour. So it's very compact. The modules last anywhere from two to five minutes and they're going to give you, the modules are going to give you skills, tips, and frameworks that are going to change the way you go about your speaking experience.
1: Man, I cannot wait to see that. I'm going to, you're going to have to get me access. I'm going to have to check it out Hundred and I will definitely report back and let you know my thoughts on it. Looking forward to that.
0: I'm waiting for your course, man oh man
1: you know it's funny that oh my it is so funny that you said that just two days ago i started building a framework of okay what do i want to talk about what do i want to share because i've been doing my podcast for two and a half years and there's a lot of the things that i cover and talk about and then i have a few clients that i coach that have asked me hey can you come in and teach a course to to some of my employees some of my managers some leadership skills and things like that and so it's been in the works. When I say in the works, it's all just kinda of spinning around back here in the back of my mind. But I, I recognized last week. So I don't I don't know if you know this or not, but I broke my ankle a couple of weeks ago and yeah, so I've it's been looking le- Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been having a little bit more time on the couch to process and just having my leg propped up. It's been very challenging because fitness and working out and training and exercising is a big portion of my life. So there's a mental game there. But all that to be said, yes, I am going to start working on creating some course content, I got to figure out the delivery method. And so I may give you a phone call and say, Hey, how are you doing this? So expect that in the future, on
0: on that note, the course will be released on Udemy, U D E M Y. So that'll be the first one is and then I'll be releasing additional courses on udemy and eventually one of my own website that i'm saving for 2024 but you know we'll talk about that another time nice nice okay perfect
1: okay so let's talk a little bit about fitness you you said a moment ago i'm as jacked as they come i'm not right now just because i haven't been able to train for two months but your a lot of your content there's elements of fitness woven in it and I can admire and respect that because it's something that I do as well but talk me through that have you always been in shape has it been has fitness been a big portion of your life for your entire life or is it something that you've just gotten into and how do you find that it impacts other elements of
0: your life well I'll start with the latter portion first it impacts everything in my life And so there's, there's no, when I was growing up, you play sports and stuff, but I couldn't even make the basketball team. I wasn't lifting weights. Like there was no athleticism really in my arsenal and through the military cultivated a bit of a skill for running. And I realized that I could do it for extended periods of time and I could put things on my back and walk really far. And one of my responsibilities was uh, to hold this 16-pound machine gun with about 60 pounds of gear uh, called the Negev that effectively sprays what we'll call cover fire. And so that was kind of my first experience in carrying heavy things and walking or running really far. And then after the military ended, I didn't have formal weightlifting or running practice. I couldn't even do a dip. I couldn't... For a fitness test, you have to be able to run a mile in like under eight minutes. And you have to do like 75 push-ups and 100 sit-ups or something like that. And I I could just barely do it. I had someone very kind counting my push-ups, I think, at the time when I was in the army. And my fitness practice really started in college where I realized that, you know, transparently me telling people that I had served two years in the military and I didn't really look the part. So you didn't really want her to get pushed around. So I started lifting weights and slowly my skills started to get better. But the fitness really took a leap in 2017 when I had graduated law school. I didn't really understand nutrition. I had done CrossFit for a couple of years while I was in law school and then my final year when I had moved into New York City, where I'm based out of now, I decided to take another step and start to really understand nutrition. I had a friend who I could rely on very deeply at the time. And I spoke still a great friend today. And I had a conversation with him. And I said, man, I don't know What's going on? Like, I want this six pack. I can't get it. I work out all the time. Like, I don't know what's going on. He's like, look, fitness, think about it like a 360 degree pie chart. And think about the physical portion as 25%. And you got that 25% down. Maybe it's time to start focusing on everything else. And I was like, what's everything else? Nutrition. Sleep, stress management. I was like, okay. And with podcasts and with YouTube, things slowly started to shift. CrossFit had introduced the prospect of programming and fitness programming to me. Whereas up until CrossFit, I had only kind of done generic, you know, bro splits of back and buys, chest and tries, skipping legs. And then over time, I eventually discovered. An account called Primal Soldier, and then that introduced me to more kettlebell work. And I had started to try some Instagram workouts. And then I saw one post he did with this guy JTN Fit and Jay Marinac. Shout out to Jay Marinac. That dude's content changed the way I approached fitness, where he had this element of functional training combined with CrossFit, combined with bodybuilding, and. It changed my life because it brought everything that I love to do together. And then that compounded by starting to understand nutrition. I started understanding calories and macros and then micronutrients. And everything just started to build on itself once I had that foundation. So mentally I was saying, I'm smart enough to be able to do this now. Like I passed the bar. Like I got to a job at the DA's office. Like I really want to change my life. I really want to change my body. And it felt like this last frontier is something that had evaded me forever. So finally, I had a platform and a vehicle to start to work towards and into my goals. And I never looked back. So fitness has been something very important to me because I've also discovered the notion of general physical preparedness, which has become an opportunity for me to leverage my fitness into making an impact through doing very aggressive and intense physical exercises that I'm sure you've seen. And, you know, we could talk about where I've raised tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars for different organizations over the last couple of years by doing some very intense physical solo challenges that I've curated and designed myself where I get some traction, I find a cause that aligns with what I believe in, and then we work together to raise awareness, I put my body and my mind and my soul and my money on the line because I'm not going to ask someone else to put their money if I'm not going to put mine also it helps to bet on yourself a bit and so I am proud to say that we've raised near $40,000 from the experiences that I put myself through over the last couple of years and now I'm making sure that I annually curate something uh, that is as you know safe as it could be but has a little edge to it and continue to find ways to make an impact so fitness is very very important
1: these events that you do are are they virtual at all there's so two of them were virtual one of them was in person okay next virtual one you have let me know (laughs) you got i want to try to jump in on it see if i can match you or beat you or sometimes that that doesn't always work we're, in my favor when i have conversations all right we're gonna do that and then i get crushed it's like
0: okay all right raising <laughs> to... the awareness man that's what, yeah. really, what comes down to someone tells me you can keep up just fine
1: <laughs> okay so talk me through what is the end game for jonathan where are you
0: headed what are you trying to build and ultimately accomplish for me it's always about family First and foremost, that's like everything. So whatever it takes to take care of my family will always be at the forefront of my mind. So that aside, what am I trying to accomplish? I think at different stages of my life, that answer has changed. And so the season of life that I'm in now, I would say is market validation, where I know that I bring a lot to the table as a professional. And I'm in a very unique position right now based on my life experience to offer a lot of value. And I see that having recorded over 50 episodes of my podcast and the audience that I've developed and continues to grow every day. And the opportunities that have been placed in front of me and the opportunity that I've created for myself. That right now the end game is about making as much of an impact as possible in as many ways as possible. Because I really do believe in paying it forward. I believe in making the world a better place. So as I build inside the Inspired and this course collection and shared these lessons, I believe that people through community, through opportunity, can start to sustain themselves in a very different type of way. And so the underbelly through this entire conversation that's you know dictating how we're going about it and how millions and millions of people around the world are going about it is the creator economy. And the creator economy is something that gives a platform to you, to me, and to our audiences and people around the world to tap into another element of themselves and productize themselves. Naval Ravikant talks about this concept of there being 8 billion people in the world and how one day he hopes there's 8 billion businesses. And for me that really resonates because everyone can really reach that. You don't want to call it utopian, but opportune perspective where they can do what they love to do and sustain a quality of life for the people that they care about. And as a result, the world gets a bit better. So for me, the end game really is about creating an ideal lifestyle where I'm doing things that I love to do with people that I love to do them with and making a significant impact on the world at the same time. So I'm excited to grow these courses. I'm excited to go to the podcast. I love where I'm working. I'm grateful every single day. Gratitude plays an immense role in my life and presence. Also, if you couldn't tell, plays an immense role in my life. And then having these conversations where I can continue to learn and share these lessons means a lot to me because I want to get better every day for the people around me so they could be better and then the people around them will be better and then it becomes a ripple effect. And I think that the end game is impacting as many people as possible in the most positive ways that I could realistically and tangibly think of because I remember wanting to be a value so much when I was younger. And now that I'm finally that person that I aspired to be, I realized, well, now I got to do something about it. Because, you know, there's no point in just walking around with my shirt off, you know, saying, hey, look what I've done. Like it doesn't do anyone any good. So I think it's all about impact. I think it's all about purpose. And I think what I'm put on this earth here to do is to be of service to the people in my life and to create the best possible life that I can for them and to also make this world a better place by injecting that little extra bit of positivity in my own unique way. Man, I
1: absolutely love it. What is the biggest lesson you have learned on this incredible journey that has been your life that you'd like to share with the guests?
0: It's got to be twofold, man, because I don't think you have one without the other, but it's gratitude and presence. Gratitude is an antidote for all the things that go right and wrong in my life. I have to stay grateful on the days that they especially don't want to make me feel grateful so I can have that level head and again show for the people around me and then presence. Presence, the present is a gift and carrying that gift with me, putting putting and recognizing like it's not about what was or what could be but what is and being where your feet are and putting yourself in a position to appreciate, be grateful for what you have, even if you want more and you aim towards achieving more. Having gratitude and presence in my life have been the two most powerful pillars that dictate of my decision-making man
1: I absolutely love what you're doing Uh, keep doing what you're doing and I cannot wait to see everything that is going to be coming down the pipeline for
0: you okay how do people contact you you can find me on instagram at inside the inspired you can find me on linkedin jonathan z cohen I have a YouTube channel that's growing. Also Inside the Inspired, we have a newsletter that you could subscribe to at insidetheinspired.com and the Inside, pardon me, the Inspired Speaker Formula will be launching on August 15th on Udemy, which I'm very excited about. Stay tuned for more courses. Sean, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to come on this podcast. You're on an incredible mission. The caliber of your guests to be considered and Put in the same breath as it means so much to me and i can't wait to have you on my show man keep doing what you're doing your audience is very lucky to have you and i can't wait to introduce you to mine
1: i appreciate it really looking forward to it All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have for the show today. We're going to have all of Jonathan's contact information down in the show notes. Please check it out. I'm going to try to get a hold of a link to the course content that he's going to be releasing next week, and y'all have a good one.